What's going on, my friends? Welcome to the Seven Figures Club episode of the week. We've got an amazing guest for you guys, everyone out there who wants a great story and someone who has overcome the odds to build an empire. And that's what we've got for you today. Our guest is Leslie Cooster. And Leslie is a multiple seven-figure e-commerce brand owner. Her business, uh, Back From Bali, offers women bohemian sheet clothing ethically made in Bali. Uh, the success uh, of Back From Bali affords Leslie the life of her dreams. And she is passionate about igniting and inspiring other women entrepreneurs to rise while they create the financial and personal freedom that they crave. Leslie's well-earned knowledge is born from experience in her mid-50s. She was able to ricochet her Back From Bali clothing business from five figures to earning millions of dollars. She is now helping other women and authors at all ages realize their dreams to grow the business. And she also has a new book called Money and Freedom, Seven Keys to Seven Figures. That's a great title. Uh, the ultimate guide to money and freedom for women entrepreneurs in 2022. Leslie, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and talk about seven figures, money, and helping entrepreneurs be successful. Absolutely. Well, Leslie, the audience loves to learn more about our guests and their background. So tell us a little bit, if you would, what about your you know, background and, and career, or maybe even um, you know, your, how you were raised, led you down the path to entrepreneurship and, and essentially eventually starting and growing a seven-figure business? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to because that's really it. How does it all start? Um, my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, my my dad was an entrepreneur. Then my mom started her own business as well. So I did grow up. Uh, it makes it a lot easier to have parents who are entrepreneurs rather than parents who are like, get a job and you know retire when you're 65. So I was really supported um, as an entrepreneur. But for me, it really started quite a long time ago when I was working in New York City. I decided I needed a job because I needed to make some money there. And I took a job and I realized this is so not for me. I just really hated the whole process of working in a company. And I took off and I went traveling and I decided to go traveling to Indonesia because I had always wanted to go to those beautiful islands. And I did. And I traveled and I was gone for about six months. And then I had to return and get a job or do something. Wow. And I just had literally a light bulb moment. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if. I wonder if I brought clothing back from Indonesia, Bali is where I was. I wonder if I can sell it. You know, I wonder if I could do street fairs. I wonder if I could do trade shows. I, this was before the internet, by the way. We we're about the same time. This is in the early 90s. 
And I just literally jumped back on an airplane. I bought clothing off the street and I brought it back to New York City and I set up doing uh, fairs and markets and holiday markets and Christmas markets. And I did that for a really, really long time. So I would say how, that- How long are we talking? Started, like 18 years, like a really 18 long 18 years, oh, yeah, really Like long a time. super long and, time. And so while you're doing this, this is your side hustle. This is your passion. Are you still, you know, kind of working in one of those professional jobs there in New York City? Oh, God, no, no. So, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so you we were definitely got rid of that. No. So when I went to Bali, I never had a, when I returned, I never got a job ever again. And, oh, you know, I just felt like I, I literally rather do street fairs. I rather do that yeah. than get a job. And so, so, so how long did you have a job where you were working in New York City before you're like, ah, I, I can't take this anymore? I think was it that? was maybe How about years? four years, something like that. Okay. It was it was in my it was in my late twenties, um, and then I was like, I just I can't do this any longer. And when traveling, what, what and- was it about the job that you're like in general working for a corporation? You're like, I, I can't do this. What were you know some of the reasons why you're like, I this just isn't for me. You know, I. <laughs> I've always, I like to feel happy and I like to feel yeah. free and freedom is definitely one of my main values in my life. Um, and having a job, especially in New York city. And, and you, these years ago, you had two weeks vacation, what you had, what four sick days, et cetera. Um, you get, you had, you know, this is certainly, you didn't work from home. That's for sure. You had to get up in the morning, you had to get on the train, you had to get in the subway, all of that. And you had to go into a big office building um, and this was just, um, it just simply was not for me. I wanted freedom in my life. I wanted to be able to take summers off if I wanted to. I wanted to be able to travel again if I wanted to. And I wanted to really have a life of freedom and to be able to really steer my life as I wanted to steer my life and not to be steered for by a boss or or, or a company or anything like that. So that was really it. I think think most of us as entrepreneurs, that's kind of why what we're looking for, right? We want to be able to have the freedom to do what we want, when we want, you know, with who we want. And if we don't have that, if you're not a business owner, an entrepreneur, you just don't have those kind of options and freedom, especially not New York City. My sister uh, worked there the last uh, four or five years and she worked every single day you know, all seven days every week. And, and she made a lot of money, did well. And eventually same thing happened. And she eventually, and she's been a nomad going from Hawaii to Paris to Europe, same, same type of thing. So that's a, that is a beautiful, awesome story. So as you got started with your business, what were some of the early challenges that you found with building this business and, and being on your own without a safety net? You know, I would say the biggest challenge is having not, no idea what to do. So, yes. y- you know, when, you, when you're doing this and you're jumping off and there's no one guiding you or teaching you anything. And as I said, this is really at the beginning stages of the Internet. Uh, they're just I really didn't know what I was doing. So I was really floundering. And, and that is part of my story and what and is something I really want to express to everybody watching and listening today is that, you know, I was not an overnight success by any means. Um, And 
it, it took me a really long time to figure out how to do this and how to be successful. And so one of the things was I, I just didn't get the help that I needed from the very, very beginning. And I really was just trying to do everything myself. So that was like really the biggest mistake that I made at the very early stages, because you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what you're missing. And you don't know where you're supposed to be going for for help. So getting help, getting like a consultant, a coach, someone who specializes in what I do, which is Amazon, is was the first step in getting into a whole other area where I was not just making 20,000 a year uh, in sales, which is what I was doing at the very, very beginning. Exactly yeah. So, right. yeah, that's really what it is. So there, there's been a very long journey, you know, so this is, we're talking about a journey of like decades actually. And it was really only until about nine years ago that I was able to bring the business from where it was at the time, which was five figures into multiple seven figures, which it is now. Um, you know, the, the, the process of doing that, of bringing a business from something that does sort of okay, you know, vacation money or a little bit here and there to a business where it, it, it's, it's in the multi-millions, uh, is a completely different mindset. And that is honestly what changed in me and that enabled me to really do it and take it to another level. So what changed? Why did your mindset change and you opened up from doing five figures to multiple seven figures nine years ago? What was that process like? And for those listening who are in the struggle, like how can they learn from your story? What, what were the keys or what happened or what changed your mindset that really, you know, puts you on track to start growing? You, you have to really want it and you have to get honest about what you want. And that was my mistake early on. I, I wanted to make some money. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted the freedom, but my mindset was telling me that if I worked really hard, if I really went all in, if I really, you know, worked, you know, and struggled and whatever, then I wouldn't have the level of freedom that I really wanted to have. So all of these years of having my business, I did have freedom, meaning I can do what I want in the summer. I can take time off. I could wake up when I wanted to. I had the freedom, but I didn't have the level of success that I actually really wanted. And I didn't have the level of success because I thought that that would con contradict with the freedom that I worked hard to have. Now, this is a mindset mistake. The mistake was that if I work really hard, and build a successful business, I will no longer have freedom because I'll have to work all the time. And that belief kept me very, very small and kept me from really taking the steps that I needed to do in order to blow the business up. And what I learned now that I'm on the other side of it is I have more freedom and I have the opportunities for more time off than I ever thought I would have. Uh, and that it was really my limiting beliefs, thinking that success equaled uh, giving up one's life, okay, uh, that I had that was keeping me where I was.
So once I really began to be honest with myself that, first of all, that's what I wanted, that I did want to be more successful. I did want to make more money. I did want to step step up. I knew that I had... I knew I had it in me to do more than I was doing, but I was kind of entrapped in my thinking of that it would, like I said, take freedom away. And also as a woman, I was entrapped in this idea that I thought my husband is the one who should be making all the money. And that was really his job and not my job necessarily. So it was all of these beliefs, really limiting beliefs. That kept me really small for a long time. And, and that's super powerful what you're sharing because we all have these limiting beliefs and we don't even realize these blind spots and limiting beliefs that we have until we step back and ask, why am I where I'm at? And so your limiting belief at the time was, well, I'm going to give up all my freedom and I'm going to have to work 80 hours a week. I'm going to have to do that forever. And really, that's that's the difference because a lot of people start a business so they can have more time, freedom, spend more time with family and, and have more money. But what they don't understand is you have to go all in with your business and sacrifice for an initial period. And if you do go through that sacrifice, then you can actually build systems and processes and hire employees and create a business of freedom. But to be truly free, it's pretty difficult to do that if you aren't generating enough profits from your business to be able to build that system and so forth. And so that's that's huge. And obviously, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that we have around even talking about money, you know, whether it's in a, a marriage or relationship, how we were grown, how we talk about money with kids. Why do you think money is such a taboo topic? And, and, and how do you think that successful entrepreneurs and, and business owners who want to get, take that next step need to be able to look at it and talk about money? I was walking down the street, it was Thanksgiving, and I think it was something like 10 years ago. And it was at a time where I, I made a decision that I want to make more money, I want to build a business. And so I was like, unindating myself with like podcasts, and you know, all the trainings and all of this. Yeah. So I had my headphones on crossing the street, I think it was 14th Street. And this financial guru guy is in my ears. And he says, something that blew my mind. And so simple. He said, if you want to have money, you have to want money. If you want to have money, you have to want money. And it just really resonated with me. Like, oh my God, it's not just about okay, I want to have some more money. I want to build a business. I have to actually say loud and clear to myself and out there, that is what I want. And I think we don't allow ourselves to want money. I think we all want to have it. We want to ease your life. We, you know, all of this, but we don't really have the courage a lot of times, and especially women to say, I want money. I love money. Money is great. Bring it on the money. And, you know, with that thinking and with that, that's that simple statement that you have to actually want it. I started to completely change my attitude towards money. I even came up with a money mantra 
which I I say to this day, every day, which is a lot of money comes easily and frequently. A lot of money comes equally and frequently. And we really need to, I believe very much, embrace our desire to have money and actually say we want it. Now, for women, this is this is even harder than it is for men, because for men in general, they're expected to make money, and they're kind of comfortable with making money. They're probably even comfortable talking about money. But women often are not comfortable about talking about money at all, because simply, it doesn't seem very feminine. Women want to be liked. They want to they want to connect with other women. And when a woman appears to be money hungry or whatever you want to call it, or talking about money, it appears to not be a very attractive trait for a woman. So it makes it even more difficult for women to talk about money, to embrace money, to say they want money. Now, women will say maybe they want money for their children or they want money in order to help a charity or they want to make the world a better place. But they'll also say things like, I love my work so much, I would do it without any money. Like, why would you ever say that? So these kind of things that we say to ourselves are the ways we think and actually do say out into the world have a profound effect on our attitudes towards money and whether we will have the money or not. So I think it's just really important to get honest with ourselves about what we want and to understand that money is not good. It's not bad. It's just a means of bringing you more opportunities in your life. Uh, And I just really encourage all people and all women in particular entrepreneurs to be really comfortable with their desire of wanting money. Absolutely. And and I think you brought up an important point there that a lot of people, you know, uh, women out there maybe just think, oh, you know, the, uh, the your spouse, your partner's going to take care of it. It's it's their job to do it. And at some point, you decided, no, no, I can actually increase my income. I have more control over this. I mean, you think about uh, other successful female entrepreneurs, your Martha Stewart's of the world, Joy Mangano, and others who took that responsibility on and really took control for their families and changed their entire family's life. Now, one of the things that you you do talk about uh, as well is you talk about this concept called uh, the Princess Tower, which uh, I'm not familiar with, but very excited to learn more about it. Why do you think a lot of women are kind of uh, stuck in in this uh, Princess Tower? And what exactly is that? You know, even though we're like where we are at, at this time in the world and things are changing absolutely for sure, there's still yes. very much an, an underlying uh, belief that um, a woman could be saved by somebody else, all right, by a father, a partner, a husband, whatever, a wife, whatever. And I feel that it's a belief that we've been caring for a long time. A lot of the reasons because we simply didn't have the opportunities to work for ourselves or to be in control of our our lives for, you know, centuries, it's been like this. So it's sort of deep down inside of women to feel they need to be taken care of, especially when it comes to their security needs. But what has happened with that is that there's still some 
identity for women that they will be better off if they do have a partner who will be able to take care of them. And I call that being in the princess tower. And the trouble with being in the princess tower and, 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 and basically assuming that somebody else, whoever it is, is going to really take care of your security needs is that you put yourself at tremendous risk of your life and of not really being able to take care of yourself. And what I've seen like over and over again with a lot of women is even when they do partner with uh, wealthy men, wealthy women, that they don't really have access to the money. So for example, I have a really good friend of mine and her name is Jane and she's you know married to this guy who's has a lot of money, but she doesn't actually have the money. She doesn't actually know where the money is. She doesn't actually have access to getting that money. And this is very, very typical with a lot of partners and a lot of traditional relationships where the man makes the money, controls the money, gives the, some money to the partner. So this really takes the responsibility of one's life completely away from you and puts women really at risk of their own security and their own life. This is changing, and I know it's really changing very much, but this is what I call the princess tower. And um, I really encourage women to get out of it and to build your own tower that you have responsibility over and control over. Absolutely. So, so for those who are listening, who are taking that step or they're about, you know, to take that step, the next step then is, okay, how can you actually build a business that serves you instead of you being the slave to your business and, you know, working those 80 hour work weeks, how do you actually build a business that is not 100% dependent upon you doing 99% of the work? Yeah, great question. So Allie Brown, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's she's one of my mentors. She does a lot of um, different events and, and also coaching for women entrepreneurs. So I went to one of her events a few years ago. And at the time I was doing under seven figures and I was astonished to meet a whole bunch of women there who were doing seven figures, multiple seven figures, and were working five to 20 hours a week. And I was like, I need to learn how to do this. And I did. And the way you learn to do that, first of all, you have to want to do that. You have to believe that you can actually have a very successful business and not work all the time. So again, we're back to the mindset. Everything goes back to the mindset. So first of all, you need to believe that this is actually possible. And one way to know it's possible is to meet other uh, entrepreneurs who have made this happen, yeah. which is why I really think going to events like this and networking and masterminds are so important because you can see what's possible for you. So when I re returned from Ali's event, I was like, I am going to do this. And the way one does this, the first step is really creating a, a spreadsheet of your operations, where I literally wrote down in Excel every single task that my business has to do in order for it to run. And I think I'm probably up to maybe, I, I think I'm now up to maybe 400 tasks, okay? At the time, maybe wow. it was about 200 tasks, 
but details, every single thing, I didn't leave anything out. And then I wrote down next to it, who did these tasks? And even though I had at that time, I think I had one other team member, I was by far doing 80, 90% of the work. And I realized this has to change. So if I want to build a business where I can be working five to 20 hours a week, where I can really have the freedom, I can have, you know, everything that I wanted originally of starting the business, then you have to really know what tasks are needed to do your business. And to do that, you need to create this operations list. Once you create an operations list, you then can start identifying who needs to do what and what kind of team member you need to hire in order for them to take the tasks off of your shoulders. When you do this and you start to do this, uh, this is how you build a business where you don't work for the business, but the business works for you. And this is ultimately the goal and what everybody should be really working towards. And to do that, you need to know what it is you need to do in your business and then hire the people to help you do it. Absolutely. So basically you're creating uh, those SOPs, those standard operating procedures for all the tasks and all the jobs that need to happen for the business to run. And then of course, you're able to hire and train people and, and even create systems and processes and automate a lot of that in order to build your business. And that's what so many people are missing. And that's why so few people ever break the seven figures mark, which is the whole purpose of this podcast. How can we help more business owners break the seven figures mark? There's only 5% of businesses that ever do. And so a lot of that comes down to, you can't do all the work, you're one person. And you may have to sacrifice uh, for a few months where you make less profits as the business owner, but ultimately build a business that can run itself and then get, frees up your time to do the $100 and $200 per hour work instead of doing the $15 per hour work that you should be paying someone else to do. So that is huge, amazing value bombs, Leslie, that you just dropped for the audience. So, you know, as a, as a female entrepreneur, as really any business owner out there, what is something that they could do right now to increase their net? Ooh, I love profit first. So we're back to talking about systems. Tell, tell like us that. what this means. What does it mean profit first? Because a lot of business owners yeah. haven't quite heard of this new, uh, new term that's so important. When I when I first hired my my consultant, uh, this is back in the early days. So this is you know maybe yeah. ten, 10 years ago or so when I decided I want to you know build this business. One of the first things she said to me was, um, "Do you pay yourself?" And I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" And she was like, "Well, do you pay yourself?" I said, "Well, you know, I you know when I my credit card comes in, I I, I pay for you know plane tickets and." <laughs> going out to dinner. She's like, no, do you pay yourself? And I'm like, am I supposed to be? Okay. So she referred me at the time to a book called Profit First. Many listeners probably know about it by Mike Michalowicz. And it completely changed my business. And Profit First is a system, again, a system, and it and we we I can't you know say it more louder that systems and learning and all of this of how to run a business 
is one of the keys to being successful in a business and making getting over the seven figures. And his system basically teaches you to allocate in different buckets things you need for your business, you know, such as paying yourself salary, your taxes, your operating expenses, et cetera. So when money comes in, for example, I'm paid every two weeks uh, from Amazon. When the money comes into me, I don't then go look, oh, who do I have to pay and start sending, sending, you know, payments out. The money immediately gets set up into percentages. A certain percentage is going to the owner's pay to my salary, a certain percentage to taxes, a certain percentage to my operating expenses, a certain percentage to profit. And lately I've been doing another percentage to just a savings, a business savings. And the beauty of this system is, first of all, when taxes come around and you have to like open up your checkbook and, you know, send whatever 60,000 or 80,000 or who knows how much to the IRS, the money is sitting in the account already. And this is like an amazing experience. So you are always having the money that you need to pay yourself, to pay for taxes, and to pay for your operation experiences. So in order to, what what is the one thing you can do to really increase your net worth and in your profitability of your business is to learn the Profit First Method. Absolutely, guys. Wherever you're at, if you're on the treadmill, if you're driving, you know, take a note, write this down, email this uh, this tidbit to you. You have to have a profit first mentality. Otherwise, you'll just be like, oh, and, and I remember uh, the author of the profit first book, Mike, talking about uh, this business owner that he was talking to. And, and she was saying, wow, you know, we we doubled our business and, and oh, the, you know, I don't have to worry about profit first. We're super profitable. And so he got around asking, great, well, what was your net profit last year? And she, oh, it was like 20%. I'm like, oh, good. So you took all that 20% as, as a profit and, and payment yourself to the business owner. Oh, well, no, actually, we, you know, plowed those profits back into the business. Okay, so you actually didn't make a profit. And so that's what's so important, guys and gals. You can't be working for free as the business owner. You have to be generating profits, building your net worth. And if you're not, that's where you have to get into the details and figure out why you're not doing that. And, and percentage-wise, you know, maybe you've got to make some changes there. What are some of the changes, you know, for those who are breaking even or just not other than, you know, the allocations? Um, what if your business model just isn't profitable right now? What, what, do you, what do you recommend someone look at doing then, Leslie? You know, there's... There's two ways to build a business. And, and, and one way is to borrow money, okay? It's to borrow money and, and, and borrow from people like you. I know your company does that. And that is one way to build a business. That is not the way I built my business. Um, I never borrowed any money. So, and, and to this day, I have not borrowed money. So really the way I have I personally have done it. And the way I really suggest people do it is to, is to go in small. I, I knew from the beginning that being profitable was really my goal as early as I possibly could, could make it. And that was always what I wanted was to be profitable. And 
to do that, you need to start small because you can't just go and take, you know, $50,000 loan or $100,000 loan. Uh, you really need to start with something like $2,000 or $3,000 or something like that, or maybe 5,000 tops, I would say. And really understand that going into debt, in my opinion, especially at the early stages, uh, is uh, not some, it's it's really, it's a personal decision. I just was not comfortable going into debt, debt uh, in my business. But there is another way to build a business, and that is going into debt. You know, for the for the businesses that basically plan to exit early, for example, to build a business and maybe exit within three to five years, there is no way that they can get to an exit in three to five years without going into debt and borrowing. So there is different ways to build a business, and it really depends on your comfort level. There really is. But either way, whether you're going to get funding, financing, raise debt capital, go after venture capital, or you're going to try and grow organically, it all comes down to the same problem, right? You have to know that if you add a new customer, if you add a new client, what your costs are, and that you're going to generate X amount of profit percentage after paying taxes, after paying overhead, and generate a profit first mentality. And that what Damon John of Shark Tank always talks about is once you've got proof of concept within your business, now that's actually where it makes sense to actually take out financing. So for most of our clients, we're going to get them a line of credit or two or three or four. And with those lines of credit, the money's available when they have proof of concept, when they know that if they hire another person, they're going to be able to grow this much. When they know if they run that next innovative marketing campaign, it's going to generate additional clients, customers, growth, product sales, et cetera. And, or especially in a product-based business like yours, it's an inventory, right? If you can't purchase more inventory and turn it around within a three to six month timeframe, you'll run into a ceiling where you're going to grow very, you know, um, linear instead of exponential, unless you can buy more inventory, but you don't get to that point until you have that proof of concept. Otherwise, that's why we never recommend taking out a loan almost ever, because if you take out a loan, now you have to pay it back. You've got interest, you've got fees, but if you have a line of credit, you do it when you have the proof of concept, when the opportunity is there and you do it when you can generate a strong return of 200 to 300% on the money. And that's what that's what business owners make the mistake of, right? They just take out, you know, debt without thinking about having a proof of concept, knowing that if they take this action, it generates this sale, this profit, et cetera. And so that's that's certainly the big key. Now, Leslie, a lot of people are listening in on this podcast are thinking, wow, Leslie, amazing value bombs. I'd actually just like to jump into your mind and learn more, learn more about your programs. Maybe I can even find out how I could work with you. And I know you've got a new awesome book coming out. So for the audience who has been listening, receiving the, the amazing value bombs you're dropping, what is the next step they can take today? Because we don't want them to be passive. We want them to take action. What's the next step they can do to get into your world and learn these amazing lessons that you've learned in building a multiple seven-figure business? 
Yeah, my, my, my dream, my vision is to help as many entrepreneurs as I possibly can to um, encourage them and help them to get to pass, pass the seven-figure mark. So I have so much free content. And the best way is just to go to my website, which is lesliecooster.com. I have blogs there. I have videos there. I have a course that you could sign up for. And as mentioned before, I have a, a great new book that will be coming out uh, in a Exciting. few months as well. That is awesome. What's the name of the new book coming out? The book is called Seven Keys to Seven Figures, The Women Entrepreneur's Guide to Money and Freedom. Well, as the owner of Seven Figures Funding and the Seven Figures Club podcast, I love that title, Seven Keys to Seven Figures. Yes. Again, less than 5% of business owners get there, less than 2% of female business owners get there. And there is, if you want to be more successful, everybody that's listening, like you have to surround yourself with people who have done what you want to do and they've got the roadmap and directions and Leslie Cooster has that roadmap. So if you go to Leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E, Cooster, K-U-S-T-E-R.com, there's a lot of amazing content. She's got her own podcast. She's got consulting. She's got courses and she's got this amazing book that's going to be coming out with more specific steps you can take that's what's so cool about what we all do, right? Once you do break that seven figure, get in the seven figures club, so to speak, like we, everybody wants to help other people who are on that journey. And so everybody listening to this podcast, who's on that journey, that's why we bring amazing guests like Leslie in here. So you can learn from her, learn from her journey and take those steps to build your seven figures business. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for being a guest on the seven figures club podcast. The final word is yours with action that people can take today to take the next step in growing their business. Focus. Focus is one of the most important things you can do if you want to build a seven-figure business. So what that means is that we all think we could multitask. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. So if you have this business and this business and this business, take the one, just choose the one that you're thinking about and go all in on that one business. Go all in on it and really learn. I believe you should become a ferocious learner and be humble Amen. and to know Amen. that you, you, you don't ever know, no matter if you're at seven figures or eight figures or nine figures, there's always more and more to learn. So just really focus and you will do it if you want it you will do it. Guys, the final three words, amazing. Fo focus, learn, and go all in. That's what I love about what Leslie just said. Go all in. You can't dabble. You have to immerse yourself, go all in. And in the future, you'll be able to come up for air. You'll have a business built. You'll have freedom. But if you don't go all in, if you're not completely focused, and if you're not learning and getting better every day, you will not get to that life of freedom. You will not join the Seven Figures Club. Leslie, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you, Leo. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. 
Thank you for listening. And if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five star and invite others to join the club.